What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with Dynasty Decisions, episode 65. If you guys are new around here, this is where we break down all of your Dynasty Decisions. We break down trade questions. We break down rookie draft questions. We break down all the things that you guys need to know to make the most informed Dynasty Decisions that you can make. If you want to submit your team for a future episode, our patrons get first priority. The link down below in the pinned comment. But we also have a queue going for free submissions as well, and we'll get to those as soon as we can. But without further ado, Danny, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I mean, you guys have been focusing on your redraft season, you know, maybe your home leagues, talking some smack to your buddies at home. But Dynasty season is 24-7. Dynasty season is around the clock. So while we are enjoying our redraft wins, you know, that week-to-week struggle of trying to get that one-year championship, at the end of the day here, if you are not focusing on value pockets in Dynasty year-round, not only during the season, not only during the offseason, but all the whole package put together, you are doing yourself a disservice because there is plenty of opportunity to be had in dynasty circles right now, capitalizing on some value misappropriations, capitalizing on the market, realistically adjusting to that high-end production. Because at the end of the day, as we know, production is only half of the pie when it comes to dynasty value because you have to think, what's their shelf life? What are they going to be valued in within a year? You have to keep all these variables in mind. But as we know, if you guys watched the dynasty football calendar that Corey put out, you would know that this period of time, prioritizes that production so if you could sell high on some of your productive pieces then that will be in your best interest but we'll get into all that mumbo jumbo during the team section yeah absolutely so without further ado let's get right into it Okay, so the first submission is from Kurt. You guys can see his team on the screen there. 10 teams, super flex PPR, including a two-point tight end premium. So tight end's very, very valuable in this format. On his team, he's got a bunch of aging quarterbacks, Brady, Stafford, Ryan, uh, Deshaun Watson, of course, in reserve for week 13 when he's eligible to come back. Christian McCaffrey, David Montgomery, Travis Etienne, A.J. Dillon, Khalil Herbert, Raheem Mostert, et cetera, at running back there. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Elijah Moore, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, tight ends, Darren Waller, David Njoku, and Daniel Bellinger in a tight end premium. On his taxi squad, he's got Wandell Robinson, Isaiah Likely, and Sam Howell as well. And then draft pick-wise, he has his 2023 first and second, an extra four, uh, first in 2024, and then a number of trades listed here. So first off, what are your thoughts on the team? And then we'll get into some of these trades. Yeah, so you clearly built your team to win now. Uh, again, we'll go into the other portion why it hasn't exactly worked out in your favor thus far. But, I mean, you clearly built this team to win now. You went into the season thinking, okay, Tom Brady's going to give me a top 10 level production. Same with Matthew Stafford. Chris McCaffrey, you know, if he's healthy and he has been this year, that he's legitimately the RB1 in fantasy. You took David Montgomery thinking, okay, you know what? This guy's got the workload. This guy's going to be able to help me as an RB2 type this year. And then realistically, I mean, you have like a guy like Darren Waller, for example, who's an older tight end, but in a two tight end premium can realistically be one of the top flexible players in the league. So uh, you built this thing clearly to win now again, as Corey will mention, it hasn't exactly worked out for you thus far. Yeah, because we got, um, you know, word from him at the time that he submitted this, he was a three and four team. He was eighth in points scored, eighth in max points for obviously his quarterback play kind of holding him back with Brady and Stafford, not necessarily being like the redraft pieces that we thought they were going to be. Darren Waller's been dealing with injuries. You know, David Montgomery's had some injuries of his own. You've definitely seen some diamonds in the rough with this team. You know, Travis Etienne obviously has gained yep. a lot of value since the beginning of the season. David Njoku's gained a lot of value since the beginning of the season. AJ Dillon, we know, is a good value accumulation piece as well. So you definitely have some pieces in place. But the question that he mainly has here is do I, you know, continue to try and compete here or do I 
you know, sell off some of my pieces, try and retool this thing for the future. I think this is a one year retool for me. Uh, I don't want to go full all in. Uh, the main reason why I don't want to do that is because I think your wide receiver depth, to put it simply, uh, after your first two, it's just not suitable for a top contender. Um, your running backs outside of McCaffrey, like I love ETN. Uh, so uh, outside of McCaffrey and ETN, sorry. Outside of those two, I mean, realistically, because your wide receivers are so weak outside of the top two, you're going to be relying, you know, David Montgomery types, Kyle Herbert types, Raheem Moser types, who when they brought in Jeff Wilson this past week, actually seated a 50-50 work share between them. So I'm nervous about how exactly strong your flexes are going to be because at the end of the day, we know what happens in fantasy football. Injuries are going to occur. You know, bye weeks are going to occur. I'm a little bit concerned because you started in that hole of being three and four, how exactly you're going to scrape wins when, for example, I mean, McCaffrey missed this week. I don't know if you won. For example, you know, a guy like Justin Jefferson, if he missed a game, I don't know if you're going to win. So it's tough for me to com commit to this team to go and win this year. But I do think that you have the strong pieces, the strong foundational pieces to flip this thing into a top contender. I mean, your first area is going to be when Deshaun Watson gets back, he's going to be your quarterback one. Like no, no doubt about it. Tom Brady struggling this year, Matthew Stafford. I mean, the whole Rams offense has been struggling this year. Like Deshaun Watson is still that legitimate round one startup pick, but because you missed 65% of the season with them, by the time you even have them back, it's inherently going to put you at a disadvantage this year. So I think next year, retool the thing, you know, maybe add a couple picks and we're going to talk about some players you can flip for liquidity right now. Maybe get some more picks and maybe really retool this thing into a top contender by 2023. Yeah, and in more casual leagues, people will give you second rounders for pieces like Curtis Samuel and Alan Lazard all day. But if you're in a more competitive league, like I said, it's going to cost you package deals where you probably have to sacrifice yeah. a bit of value to get somebody's second round pick. You might have to give them Curtis Samuel and Alan Lazard to give them that depth, but it makes your team better in the long term because yeah. you get a more liquid asset. So let's go over this trade real quick and then we'll get into the next team. Yep. Uh, he actually has two trades, one that he made in the preseason where he received Travis Etienne, David Njoku and Cole Beasley. Obviously Beasley retired, so he's kind of a useless piece <laughs> of that trade, but he trades away Zach Ertz, who was yeah. an aging tight end, MVS and the 202. So Based on the accumulation of value that we've seen out of those two players, Travis Etienne and David Njoku, both have risen significantly. Travis Etienne is, in some people's minds, and Danny's included, the, the Dynasty RB1. Yep. And David Njoku, in a lot of people's minds now, is ascended to a top five tight end in Dynasty, given his age, given the contract extension that he signed. And it's a two-point a two point tight end premium. So uh, I think you definitely won this trade. MVS, not a big piece. Uh, 202, it's a valuable draft pick, but it, it, it wouldn't even get it done for Njoku alone in a tight end premium. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I mean, my 202 last year, I actually, actually, I had this guy ranked higher than 202. I mean, David Bell was a guy that I was consistently taking at the 202 last year, right? So, I mean, it happens. It looks shit like that will happen. But at the same time, when you get the package of players that you got, Travis Etienne, again, my dynasty running back one currently, 23-year-old running back, 28 carries this past week, looks like a pure bell cow running back. Oddly enough, did you know this guy's top five in the NFL and rushing despite sharing the workload with James Robinson for half of the season? This is a superstar level talent. And then, I mean, not to mention David Njoku, you can make the argument that he's dynasty tight end four, dynasty tight end five. Like he's in well within that mix of the top value tight ends in all of dynasty fantasy football. I mean, before his injury, he was legitimately looking like that league winning late round tight end. Yeah, exactly. So I think you did it. You did a great job with that trade. And then real quick, we'll go over this other one. And then we'll move on to the next team. He trades away Javante Williams for David Montgomery in a first and also has a third attached to Javante Williams. Now at face value, I think this is a pretty solid trade because you move off of yeah. that risky, you know, running back profile like Javante Williams, where now he has a serious ACL tear to come back from. You get yourself a 2024 first and David Montgomery, who at the time would have definitely helped you 
in your competitive window, which yep. is what you thought you were going to be at. Maybe you were like, I don't know, two and two when you made this trade or something like that. Um, obviously it hasn't necessarily worked out from the competitive window side of things. So it looks like less of a win than it was at the time. Um, David Montgomery, if you're able to, if, if you just change this trade into Javante Williams and a 2023 third for an early 2023 second and a 2024 first, you like this trade a lot more. Cause if you're able to yeah. shift David Montgomery into an early second, then that would accomplish the goal that you're probably looking to accomplish, which is shifting off cool. of David Montgomery at this Th point. That's basically what I was going to suggest. I was thinking maybe you can go to. Uh, a middling type of contender that's maybe struggling at tight end. You could say, hey, listen, like I can give you running back depth here with David Montgomery, and then I can give you Darren Walter, who when we know he's on the field, he's going to be a difference-making tight end. Maybe you can get, you know, a 2023 first or a 2024 first out of that package. And then you're looking at it like, holy fuck, like I, I, I'm building liquidity. I have this capital. Maybe you have, you know, by the end of that trade, two 2023 first. And then in addition to your two 2024 first, you are looking pretty. You're looking to build this team within the next couple of years. So yeah, like something like that could be very, very easy to do, especially for a team that wants to compete right now. Yeah, agreed. So we spent a lot of time on Kurt's team. Uh, let's move on to Luke's team, which is the second one that we got here. You guys yep. can see the team on the screen. It's a super flex half PPR league. Um, he has, you know, the bench spots and all that kind of stuff listed there as well. On his team, he has Deshaun Watson, Tua Tungvaluwa, Zach Wilson as his main quarterbacks. Elijah Mitchell, Chuba Hubbard, and Jerome Ford. Very, very fragile <laughs> running it. back position. Love Drake it. London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, David Bell, etc. at wide receiver. And then Pat Fryermuth, David Njoku as his top two tight ends with Jelani Woods there. Also has a plethora of first round picks, three in 2023, three in 2024, two in 2025, and a couple extra seconds here and there as well. So he says a small update because he actually sent me this team a couple of weeks ago and we never got to it. He said yep. he's 0-8 right now and he's about to be 0-9. Um, so he is in a perfect, perfect. position to add B. John Robinson <laughs> to this team with his own 2023 first. He also has two additional ones. We don't know exactly where those will end up. Um, he said he has a number of questions about his team specifically, but overall, before I get into those questions, what do you think of how he structured this thing? This is fucking beautiful. Like the, you uh, just right off the bat, Luke, I can tell, I mean, clearly you're a patron, so you watch the channel regardless, but just off this team structure alone, if you were to tell me, okay, Luke's not a patron. He just randomly submitted to 20,000, you know, fancy football channels. I can tell you watches the content. Just based on the fact that you build up your quarterback strength, you have wide receivers and numbers, especially very, very valuable ones. And then you waited a bit at tight end and still got young Two ascending top six players. tight ends for me. Rest, that of, legit... rest of dynasty, you know, range but, now after we've done our update, I'm Ethan and Joko are huge, huge risers from the beginning of the year. In terms of the opportunity cost he paid for them, maybe maybe this is a startup. Like you got them. Pat Frymuth was probably, you know, an eighth, ninth round pick. David and Joku might have been going close to like round 14. So the fact that you got that value at tight end and you're still set at the position, like kudos to you. You, you hit the nail on the head here. You're you're, you're fucking 0 and 9 at the, at this point. Uh, if you lose this game, you're well within that Bijan Robinson type of territory, which is going to be your clear cut running back one. The main question and you know dialogue that we have here is obviously again zach wilson we're a big fan of him over here on the channel hasn't really materialized thus far i get that but at the same time i'm not looking to 2023 to get zach wilson's replacement if he doesn't pan out yeah maybe, maybe it looks like he's closer to not panning out than he is but realistically given where you are at running back position your main peak contending window is going to be 2024 anyways so what i would say here is Give Zach Wilson a year, see what happens, see, you know, maybe he can capitalize on it. And if he doesn't, I mean, I think the 2024 quarterback class is better than the 2023 quarterback class. So I would rather wait till 2024 where we know that Zach Wilson is not the answer than risk a pick in 2023 where he still potentially can get to that status. 
Yeah. And the other thing too, is the 2023 class is rich in running back talent. So you'd be wise to spend your draft picks there. 2023 can be a house money year for you. And if you lose some value on Zach Wilson, he was still a second overall pick in the NFL draft. I'm sure he'll at least get a high value backup job, maybe a bridge quarterback job. Like what we're seeing with like a Mitch Trubisky right now. At the very least, I think that's the absolute worst case scenario for Zach Wilson because of his high draft capital. Um, but for the most part, I think you're fine. Even if he falls off the face of the earth and he's completely out of the league by like year four, year five of his career, you still have Deshaun Watson and Tua Tagovailoa. Number one and number two, you have seven first round picks over the next or eight first round picks over the next three years to be able to address your quarterback class. And like Danny said, the 2024 class is probably where you want to spend that draft capital because if you walk out of this this 2023 class with Bijan Robinson, let's say Sean Tucker, Zach Evans, and then like Zach Charbonnet in the second round. And you just filled out your entire running back core. You have all these great young wide receivers. The wide receiver class not necessarily as strong this year. So you built out your wide receiver core. You have, you know, two very solid tight ends that are young that you can build around, two solid young quarterbacks that you can build around. Your team is going to be in a great position. So it's a little dicey right now with Zach Wilson in terms of his long-term appeal, his long-term value. But I think you're okay to just kind of house money it in 2023. And there's a very good chance that come 2023, you're able to compete with the team that you have because, you know, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, all these guys are going to be in their second years. They're going to be more productive. And you have all these rookie running backs that presumably you're going to spend your 2023 picks on. 100%. So uh, he kind of mentioned this here. He's going to have one of his top four picks. Yeah, I wouldn't select a quarterback this year. As Corey said, just pound that running back position. And then realistically, like by mid-2023, your team could potentially look like, you know, Deshaun Watson at the quarterback one spot, Tua Tungvaluwa at the super flex. Then you have like Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs as your main two running backs, hypothetically with Sean Tucker and Blake Corum or Zach Charbonnet in the flex, let's just say. And then at wide receiver, I mean, you're already four or five good, good value guys at hand. And maybe, you know, early second round, a guy like Josh Downs falls to you and you want to, you know, take a chance on him. So be it. But you're going to have the foundation where then in 2024, you're adding more capital. Then in 2025, you also have multiple first round picks. So like you can genuinely turn this into a, a, not only a dominant dynasty team, but one that your league mates are going to be trying to catch up for, for the next eight years. Yeah, exactly. You might uh, you might have created a team that might makes you want to league fold, like legitimately. Yeah. You might have one of those type of teams, which you never want to have. But hopefully, you're in leagues where people are a little bit more persistent than that. Anyways, yep. Um, I think you're in a great spot. I wouldn't be too worried about Zach Wilson if I was you. It's more of a house money type of year in the next year, anyways. Uh, we can move on to the next team, which is from Daniel Kraus, ten team super flex PPR non tight end premium. Uh, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Malik Willis as his top quarterbacks. I have a dynasty team with that exact core. Um, Brees Hall, JD McKissick, et cetera, at running back. So you just got the main running back there with Brees, uh, AJ Brown, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Kadarius, Tony, um, you know, Tyler Boyd, a couple other guys there at wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, Cole Komet, David and Joku, Gerald Everett, Daniel Bellinger at tight end, very deep at that position. Uh, and then in 2023, he has his 2023 first, which I'd imagine would probably be like early to mid or so, uh, an early 2023 first as well, his own third, a late third. And then he has three ones, including his own in 2024, two twos, and then an extra two and an extra four and an extra three in 2025 as well. So a big kind of war chest of draft capital here. He has a number of trades listed here, but overall looking at his team, quick thoughts are, you know, well-constructed, right? He's got Brees Hall's his only running back. Who's a young running back who, despite the injury should hold value for quite a bit of time, you know, lock down top two quarterbacks and a great upside third quarterback with Malik Willis, and then a strong wide receiver core and tight end core as well. Yep. No, I, I agree. Uh, to me, I mean, I'm looking at the team. Clearly you have the foundational pieces, your two main quarterbacks. I mean, heck, Justin Herbert's a top four overall startup pick. Deshaun Watson, well within that mid to 
you know, top 10 level pick at the, at the start of position. So yeah, you're, you're set there running back. I mean, Brees Hall is still a fringe top five level running back at the, at, at the, uh, in dynasty period. I obviously that, that ACL injury is going to hinder him for the next year, maybe year and a half, but I still think given the talent that he showed, given the receiving profile that he could potentially command, this is, you know, a future top five running back as soon as he gets back on the field. And then, I mean, a, a wide receiver, you you are struggling for immediate production right now outside of AJ Brown, I would say, but you still have, you know, Kadarius Tony can gain value. Traylon Brooks can get value when he, when he gets back. Elijah Moore, he's probably going to be more valuable in the offseason when the Jets hopefully finally trade him away. Like, by, by the way, quick interjection. If you're the Jets, I don't understand the aspect of not trading him if you're not going to give him playing time. Because realistically, all you're doing right now from the Jet standpoint is killing his market value in trade markets. So either way, I think he's going to be traded in the offseason because if they're just going to use him like this anyways, like there, there's no point of him being on the team, period. Uh, and then at tight end, I mean, you have the gold standard himself, Kyle Pitts, and then you have David Njoku, who's also a top five option in his own right. So you have the building blocks to be able to create and this thing. By the way, some probably top 12 to 15 options with Cole Komet and, and Gerald Everett and Daniel Bellinger yeah. too. Like all those guys have value. And if I were you, I would probably try and transition one of those tight ends to like a young receiver, like John Mechie, for example, who's not on the field right now, doesn't have a ton of market value as a result. You could probably swap Cole Komet or, or Daniel Bellinger or Gerald Everett for him one for one, no problem add some depth to your receiving core long-term and same yep. goes for even some like Alec Pierce or Wandell Robinson types, David Bell or somebody like that. You might be able to do something like that. So um, we can move on to his trades real quick. He has a number of trades listed here. He sent away um, Curtis Samuel, a late 2023 first, a late 20, uh, 2023 second, uh, a late third, uh, 2024 second, 25 fab and in, in exchange for Jonathan Taylor. Now right. uh, it looks like he eventually moved off of Jonathan Taylor for a, a trade that it looks like he won, I would imagine. But what are your thoughts on the first trade? Just Curtis Samuel um, in that package for JT. Yeah. So I'm assuming uh, this was probably made prior to the injury concerns, but either way, I mean, at, at the time that you probably made this trade, I like the value here. Um, I mean, I just love how the $25 fab was like the, the tipping point for the other guys. Like, no, I'm not doing this deal unless you give me $25 fab. Uh, all jokes aside, though, I mean, Curtis Samuel is probably like a two, three type of value. Like he's not too valuable. And then realistically, you're giving up in the whole equation less than two ones of value for a guy that at that point was probably still valued as a top two round dynasty startup pick with Jonathan Taylor. So yeah, I mean, I, I like that move. And then I also like the transition that you made here. Uh, I get it. It sucks now that Brees got hurt, but realistically, I mean, well, he, not, he made the trade because he wanted to tank his own pick. So it was after Brees got injured. Okay. He said, I, I feel like I lost the trades maybe at face value, but he wants to tank for Bijan. He's currently two and five. And he said, he's probably going to lose yeah. the rest of the games. This yeah. year. So I you like move that, off then. of Mark Andrews, who was obviously a huge production piece that was going to put points up for your team. Also, I don't know how you had this type of, I guess you got Kyle Pitts in return, but uh, Mark Andrews, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Carter, and his 2025 first. And he already had an extra one. So he still has somebody else's 2025 yeah. first. And you get Brees Hall, who, you know, at least should be about on par with, with Jonathan Taylor, given the team status that you're in right now. Yeah. Kyle Pitts, who Mark Andrews and the 2025 first is probably equivalent to Kyle Pitts, I would imagine. And, and then Michael Carter, and you get a 2024 first for him, which yeah. would negate any kind of difference between the Mark Andrew package. So yeah, overall, like probably it. about a fair deal. And then the last one, you give away Raheem Mostert, and you get a sure. third and a fourth for him. Again, you're getting production sure. off your team. Yeah. So I'm totally fine with that. Sure. That makes yeah. total sense. It's something exactly like I would do. Yeah. I know it's like at face value, you want a second for Raheem Mostert, but sometimes people aren't willing to give you that. And you'd rather have the production off of your team than hold Raheem Mostert and hope for a second round I mean, pick. I mean, realistically, that third round pick might just net you the next Raheem Mostert anyways. <laughs> 
and yeah, he's younger. And again, it's more <laughs> it's way less worth it to you to hold Raheem Mostert for a second round pick than it is for you to accidentally win two games and have the 103 instead of the 101. Agreed. Right? It's a no, it's totally. a much bigger value discrepancy between that second and the third, or between the 101 and the 103 than it is between the second and the third that you got. So definitely yeah. smart moves. I really, you know, love what you did tearing this thing down. He said he has a lot of holes at wide receiver, anybody to go after, just kind of wait for rookie drafts. He went after London and he's currently after Chase, but it's, you know, no dice so far. I think, again, I would just continue to work the trade market. If you can get low value on a guy like Drake London because he's not performing right now, he would definitely make a lot of sense to go after. Same goes for any other kind of like young wide receivers that you can buy low. Just keep kind of working the trade market that way. But I think you're in a good spot and there's, you know, you have the shell of a future great team uh, with a lot of draft capital at your disposal. So not much, you know, criticism I have. Yep. No, I, I agree with you there. Uh, you're, you're pretty set. You have your idea in your head that, okay, tw- probably 2024, 2025 is going to be your winning window, especially after you use those three first round picks in 2024. So just, yeah, trust the process. Try to tank your own pick now. Try to get the most valuable assets as possible in your rookie drafts. And if you're going to have to tear down your team, if you're going to have to lose out, so be it this year, because at the end of the day here, you're sacrificing for the future. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's move on to the next team, which is from uh, Jeff Madden Jr. in the uh, in the Discord. He's basically got a, one simple question: wondering if he should go and buy on a quarterback and compete, or just kind of ride it out. So you guys can see his team on the screen there. He's got you know Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, and Marcus Mariota as his main quarterback. So definitely not a strong quarterback core, but they are you I, know but, relatively I, young. Uh, Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, Raheem Mostert, you know Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Algier, Melvin Gordon, et cetera, at running back there. Wide receiver core, very strong. A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, um, Gabe Davis, et cetera, there. And then Kyle Pitts, mainly at tight end. Also has you know a number of draft picks, two 2023 firsts, two 2023 seconds, uh, all of his original picks in 2024 and 2025. So given his team, um, the way it's set up right now, are you inclined to go after and buy a quarterback? And if you are, like, what type of quarterback are you going after? I believe this is a one quarterback league, so uh, it's worth noting there. Um, real realistically, I uh, I believe he submitted this prior to Brees getting hurt, so it's going to make my my decision a lot easier. With Brees hurt, I'm just going to retry this thing in 2023. Right now, it doesn't really make sense buying a quarterback right now when everybody knows that you're buying a quarterback for their production and you're in a tough spot. It makes more sense to do so in the off season where people aren't really thinking about how many points a quarterback scoring them. People are more so thinking like. Oh, what value can I get? Oh, this rookie class looks good. You know, things like that. So buying right now is going to cost you the most relative to realistically when you're going to win. Cause you're probably going to start winning in 2023, especially when you use those draft picks that buying them right now is just not in your best interest. Cause you do have a strong team outside of the quarterback position. I mean, Brees Hall, once he comes back, is going to be a phenomenal running back. Ramondre Stevenson's really looked like a top 10 level dynasty running back at this point. Raheem Mostert's a guy I would sell right now, but could have potential alert to a contending team. And then, I mean, outside of that, you just have like outside of the top two, just like perfect, like zero RB guys that can net you value right now. I mean, heck, fucking Daryl Henderson looked like he became the running back one in, in Los Angeles again. Uh, Melvin Gordon looks like the lead back in Denver. Michael, Michael Carter with Brees Hall. Yep. Like you have pieces right now that can keep and keep and keep netting you some picks for your future draft. So I would be targeting contenders not to buy a quarterback, but to be selling off some of that, you know, fringe RB2, RB3 level running back production. Yeah. And maybe even shopping Daniel Jones or Marcus Mariota to those guys as well. And to your point of buying a quarterback, I would buy one to compete in 2023. And the two guys that you go after in that scenario are Trey Lance and and Deshaun Watson, because both of those guys are not on the field producing points right now. And they might have suppressed value Trey Lance, especially because he's young. 
uh, as well would make a lot of sense for this team. So that's probably how I would approach your quarterback position. Again, if it's a one quarterback league, it'll be a lot easier to buy on a guy like Trey Lance than if it was a super flex league. You might even be able to, if the the guy is trying to compete right now, you might be able to send like Daniel Jones in a, a two or something like that to yeah. get Trey Lance onto your roster. And that would be definitely a worthwhile trade. So um, before we get into the next team, as always, we got to hear from a word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. Hey lads, today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors over at Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming across the globe. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate reason to be thankful. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use code BUSH for free shipping and 20% off. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave, plus it's waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. Chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. This nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes of yours. You also can't forget Manscaped's liquid formulations. The Cop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Cop Reviver Toner Spray are like the pumpkin pie and ice cream after a nice Thanksgiving dinner. You guys can't live without it. Your balls will be living in turkey heaven with these formulations. And if this wasn't enough, it's time to do the dishes with Manscaped Shower Products. Lather some of Manscaped's refined body wash on their brand new signature body buffer to give yourself the lather and rinse your body deserves lose the loofah and exfoliate those mates this fall it's time to join four million men worldwide who trust manscaped the leaders in below the waist grooming with our exclusive offer go to manscaped.com and use promo code bush for 20 percent off plus free shipping again 20 percent off plus free shipping with code bush at manscaped manscaped gives your manhood the proper treatment it deserves we appreciate the support for the fantasy stock exchange over by our friends at manscaped and thank them for sponsoring today's video and speaking of that video let's get right back to it okay so we can move on to the next team we have mark's team here and i'll let you take it away with him yeah for sure so he just basically says i have a page uh, i am a patron over on patreon and i took over an orphan team that needs a lot of work he shares the team so this is a super flex ppr league a quarterback he's got russell wilson davis mills and mitch trubisky running back deandre swift Najee harris ken walker and, and some fodder there with Kenyon drake raheem Mostert, etc wide receiver michael Pittman, amari cooper deontay johnson michael gallup alan lazard in particular and then at tight end you do have you know a relatively decent tight end core with dallas goddard gerald everett irv smith and foster moreau he also says that he has all of his picks for the most part and he also added another 2023 first to this team by trading miles sanders he said he's currently in last place and he intends to keep it that way to go out and get Bijan robinson uh he basically you know just mentions a couple moves he's thinking here but what are your thoughts on this team when you look at it at face value yeah i mean you, you're you're definitely in a bad spot to some degree because players like Russell Wilson and Najee Harris could have netted you quite a bit if you had sold them before the season or, you know, maybe even earlier in the season. If, if somebody after like week three was still buying into Najee Harris's workload, you might have been able to get, you know, a 2023 first and second at the very least, if not potentially two firsts for Najee Harris at that time. So you're kind of stuck holding the bag a little yeah. bit on him. You can't probably sell him until his production improves. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, right now he's giving you nice bad production to help you tank your pick, but, uh, 
for the moment, he's probably a guy you got to hold the bag on a little bit. And same goes for Russell Wilson. You just can't sell him right now. He's not going to get you anything at the moment. He says he's tried shopping Amari Cooper. That would definitely be a guy that I think you should be able to sell yes. because he is producing at a high level right now. Um, but he said he hasn't gotten necessarily the type of trade package that he wants for Amari Cooper. And given how Cooper's producing, I think I would want a first round pick in exchange for Amari Cooper. I don't know if you're going to get one. If you can package Amari Cooper with a second or with another piece on your roster, like an Alan Lazard, for example, or Raheem Mostert, who are also win now type of options to a contender. If Amari Cooper, Raheem Mostert, and Alan Lazard is how you get a 2024 first out of somebody, are you willing to give up all three of those guys? Just to yes, get one? in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's uh, that's what you got to do sometimes when when people are more competitive and more sharp, they're not just going to simply give you a second for any random productive piece or a first for any random high end productive piece. They're going to need multiple pieces for you to be able to sacrifice some trade value to make your team better in the long term, as we kind of talked about all videos so far. So that's what I'd be looking to do. Package together Amari Cooper, package together Alan Lazard. You know, Davis Mills, if somebody needs a quarterback, just any pieces that are going to be productive. Gerald Everett also makes some sense in that situation and see if you can go after some more first round draft capital. This is a pretty easy retool in my opinion. You have yeah, some strong easily. pieces on this roster. Ken Walker and DeAndre Swift, both young running backs. Um, he said this team is hot garbo and he has no idea how to draft, but he's interested to see if he can make something happen. You definitely have some work to do here, but it's not hopeless for sure. I, I've seen worse teams. Like you have draft capital, you have, you know, potential building block players. Uh, some of them just aren't performing right now. Like Najee Harris, he's just simply not performing right now. I wish uh, we probably could have gotten our hands on this earlier in the season when he was at least getting the workload and he had, you know, a couple decent games earlier. Cause I mean, I was on the sell Najee train basically since his rookie season, to be honest, but uh, all jokes aside. Um, yeah. I, I you just got to wait until the guy plays better, to be honest. The foot injury is a concern. The offense is a concern, but realistically, like he's still going to develop back into that workhorse type of player when he's fully healthy. I mean, the, Pittsburgh's not dumb. The reason why he's not getting the workload right now, to put it simply, is because they're scared about his foot. Like, I, I don't think it's like, oh, they they suddenly think he's a bad player or they suddenly prefer Jalen Warren. Like, no, like they know, okay, this guy's foot injury is a concern. He's battling it since uh, training camp. Why would we not take the load off of him a little bit? So I definitely want to see how he looks once his foot's fully healed and seeing potentially if you can flip him for first round capital at that point. But for now, I mean, I think you just got to hold the bag. And if you're trying to tank your own pick for 101, as Corey said, like you're probably preferring that he's not putting up all this production. But once he starts putting up the production is when you could potentially flip him. Yeah, yeah. So you got a lot of work to do, especially at QB too, because I mean, you have yeah. really no long-term answers at that position. Um, no. If you can transition, the other player, I, once DeAndre Swift is back on the field getting his full workload, he's probably a guy that I would look to transition off of as well. Yep. Just because right now, again, he's not playing well enough. He's not healthy enough for you to be able to get, you know, a first and a second, which is probably what his market value is off of him because people are going to be concerned about the injury. But if we get, you know, full-time player DeAndre Swift for three games in a row and he puts up 25 points per game in that stretch, at that point in time, people might forget about the injury and you might be able to cash out on DeAndre Swift because even though he's a young running back, he's still a running back. I probably want to uh, move off of him if I'm trying to retool and rebuild this team because it could take you a couple of years to rebuild this thing. So um, Swift, you definitely want to capitalize on him while his value is hot. And it is, uh, you know, once he's healthy. So um, overall, he also says, should I trade for a young quarterback like, a, you know, Kenny Pickett, for example, who hasn't done much. Trey Lance would be the guy that I'd go after potentially, but uh, yeah. Kenny Pickett, he was not a high upside piece when he was drafted. I still don't think he's a very high upside piece, and I think he'll probably cost you his market value, even though he's a young quarterback not performing. I still think you'd have to give up, like relatively speaking, like late first round capital uh, for him. But if you know a contender doesn't 
you know, mind taking on the risk of Russell Wilson and you could go Russell Wilson, Alan Lazard and Raheem Mostert to help them their win now team. And you can get Kenny Pickett out of that. I'd be willing to do something like that, but uh, only if you can get a good value on them is basically my answer to that question. Um, but we can move on to the next team, which is from Colin. You guys can see the team on the screen. It's a 12 team, one quarterback league, full PPR. So in a one quarterback league, he's got Dak Prescott, Trey Lance's main QBs with some fodder there as well. Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell, you know, Gus Edwards, Tyler Algier, a couple other, you know, fodder pieces there at running back. Traylon Burks, DJ Moore, Michael Gallup, um, you know, uh, Romeo Dobbs, a couple other dudes there at wide receiver. And then Dalton Schultz is his main tight end. Uh, in draft picks, he has uh, a top three high possibility number one overall 2023 first. I don't know if this is his own first or somebody else's first 2023 second to 2024 first doesn't have his 2024 second, but he has all of his other picks there. So um, he says he's in a rebuild mode here. He's assuming he's two years away from even thinking about competing, which is again, a good attitude to have. If you have a team, yep. the worst thing you can do is overvalue the, this, the, your own players and, and what you think your team can do. His main thoughts are who should I hold and sell on? So let's talk about some of these players here. So should he hold or sell on Javante Williams? To me, this is a firm hold, right? He's injured. Yeah, you got to rebuild. You can afford to eat those years that he's not on the field, right? Or the year and a half or whatever that takes him to recover. Uh, speaking to the next one, Ridley, I think is a sell in 2023. Once he's on the Jaguars, once the hype's there, once, you know, maybe the first couple of games, Trevor Lawrence is looking like the guy that he's been built to be. And or the Calvin preseason even too, one. if we get some good preseason yeah. production out of him. Because I think, like, where's Calvin Ridley going redraft next year? In like redraft round, probably if he's healthy. Yeah, he's a fourth fourth round pick. Like he's, he's yeah, probably like I think similar... he might be a guy too that people think is like a great value in that area of the draft too. I think he's going to get the stigma that uh, Michael Thomas got going into the year, where basically you know we know he's an elite target commanding type of wide receiver. Haven't really seen him do it. Uh, well, for Michael Thomas's sake, it was like a year and a half, but for Calvin Ridley's sake, it was a year. It's just the difference though, uh, and why Calvin Ridley might even have a better projection is we Not know that Calvin. Either. Exactly. We knew that Calvin Ridley's is due to suspension and we knew that Michael Thomas in, in advance had more injury concerns because he's been injured in the past. So I think they, they have a relatively similar, similar outlook. And I mean, point blank simple, Michael Thomas, after the first few weeks of the season, looked like every bit of the player that he was prior to that. Of course, he has to go out and dislocate his fucking, I don't even know what toe it was, but he goes yeah. and dislocates his toe and they don't report it for a month. That shouldn't be an issue with Calvin Ridley. So if we can project, you know, that that first three game sample size of Michael Thomas for what Calvin Ridley could potentially do for the season, like I have no doubt in my mind he might be able to get you a 2024 first. And at that point, because, you know, you're two years in advance out of uh, competing, if you can flip a then 30 year old wide receiver, maybe maybe he has like a Stefan Diggs start to the season. Who the fuck knows? Like he that is in the range of outcomes for Calvin Ridley, because that is the type of player Calvin Ridley is. So even if you have to, you know, attach a two to Calvin Ridley at that point to get a 2024 one, so be it. That would be my window of shopping Calvin Ridley. Because right now, I mean, his value is basically moot because he's not giving you the production. Once he starts giving you that production back, once he's a, a top 12, top 15 level wide receiver in fantasy, then you can capitalize, try to get first round equity out of it. Yeah, and the Jags will probably be everybody's you know sleeper pick for yeah. great offense next year. If they have Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, and maybe they add like a, a second round wide receiver to that group or something, everybody's going to be like, oh, this is the next Eagles offense or whatever, right? So um, that definitely makes some sense. There's probably going to be some hype to sell on. Travis Etienne is probably the same situation. You could definitely see what you can get for him now. I think he's closer to a sell than a hold for me because you're a couple of years away, yeah. and his value is so high right now because he's you know valued like Danny said as like might the top get two three dynasty running back. You might be able to get quite a bit of capital in return for Travis Etienne. You think you'd be able to get two ones out of him? 
Potentially. If you can, I'm selling him. If you yes, can't get agreed. two ones out of him, you might be uh, wise to hold him for a little bit longer. Maybe, like I said, if the Jags offense is the next Eagles, and that's how people are viewing them, then maybe you can get two ones for Travis Etienne right before next season. And that would make a lot of yep. sense as well. Uh, Trey Lance, he's a firm hold for you in your situation. Yep. You definitely hold him. Dak Prescott, I lean towards sell because he's almost a 30-year-old quarterback, and you already I, have Trey Lance for the long term, too. And you might I, be able it's only a one-quarterback league, so you're not going to get a ton for Dak Prescott. But if you can get like two twos for him, I think that would make some sense. I would hold Dak until I see Trey Lance back on the field from your perspective. Though, then in advance, like if Dak Prescott starts the year very, very good next year, and again, you know you're not competing, then you could probably leverage him at that point because realistically, like quarterback in uh, in a one-quarterback league isn't very much of a needle mover in the sense from a market value standpoint. So uh, I don't mind selling Dak if he gets off to a ballistic start. But any first-round draft capital he's off my team, to be honest. Easily. Like, easily you easily, get a late yeah, first-round yeah, yeah, offer yeah, yeah. at any yeah, point. Maybe it's after a couple great Dak games because he had a good game before 100%. the buy. Maybe he comes off the buy, has like two more great games, and somebody's like, oh, I'll give you a late 2024 first for him or something like that. Easy, easy move to make. Uh, DJ Moore also lean in the category of sell kind of because he is, you know, He's not a young receiver. He's not an old receiver. I think production-wise, people will be valuing him now because he's had a couple of good weeks. Um, so you might be able to get, and again, any first-round draft capital, and he's off my team as well. And yeah. then Michael Gallup is probably a firm hold. It's the first year off them. the ACL tear. He's just going to be more productive next year. I think that's point-blank simple for me. So, uh, yeah, so he has a couple. The one last question, he says, what type of returns would you be looking uh, for if selling any of those pieces? We kind of outlined kind of those yeah. for the most part. So, yeah, definitely we can move on to the next team. Carter's team, uh, you guys can see it on the screen here. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Zach Wilson is his main quarterback. So very, very deep at that position. It is a 10-man yeah. Superflex dynasty um, with a tight end premium for the record. Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, James Conner, James Robinson, uh, Michael Carter, Damian Harris, Kenyon Drake, Tyrion Davis-Price. A lot of like low-value, like semi-productive you know, running back pieces there. A wide receiver, he's got Jalen Waddle, He's got Drake London, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore. David Bell, John Mechie, Corey Davis, and some fodder. And then a tight end, Kyle Pitts is his main guy with the, the two Patriots tight ends behind him and Gronkowski. Um, he doesn't have his first round pick in 2023, just a couple seconds. And then he has all of his future draft capital as well. He has a trade listed here, but his first question basically is he's come to the conclusion that he probably can't win this league uh, this year. It's the first year apparently. And there's a bunch of like win now juggernauts who probably drafted a bunch of like Nick Chubbs and Dalvin Cooks and shit. So he was wondering if we had any advice on what pieces he should be selling, what pieces he should be buying to make him competitive for the next few seasons. Cause he has a good shell for his team as I would probably agree. Um, he has a yeah. lot of depth at quarterback and some of the contenders could really use a QB too. So he's kind of going into the later half of the season. He's probably going to try and shop some of the guys that he has here. Maybe um, a Dak Prescott to a contender is worth a lot to them or something. So uh, on this team, what are your thoughts and how would you approach it? Uh, right off the bat? I mean, the, the thing that stands out to me is, for the position you want to be in, again, you have quarterback liquidity, you have young wide receivers, and you have the gold standard at tight end, Kyle Pitts. All those running backs are going off my team. Like you said it, there's win now juggernauts. You don't think you can compete. Miles Sanders, you might be able to get top 15-ish, top 20-ish level dynasty value for right now. The way this Eagles offense looks, the way he's been playing. You might be able to trade Miles in a second for a first, and I would take that deal in a heartbeat. Well, the, the one team that we talked about already got a first out of Miles straight yeah. up. So I think if yeah. you can get it, and again, go for 2024. People don't want to give up their yeah. 2023 picks because they know the class is good. Go for 2024 picks. Yes. You're not in any kind of rush here. You have young quarterbacks. You have young wide receivers. You have a 22-year-old tight end. You can wait till 2024, let this team develop, and have your starting core be Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Braylon Allen, you know, all these guys, the running back class that we're going to talk about in 2024 and fill out your production that way. Cause like, like Danny said, you have 
Miles Sanders should fetch you. Borderline first-round capital. Antonio Gibson maybe gets you there if you add a second to him. James Conner, James Robinson, uh, Michael Carter, Damian Harris, Kenyon Drake. If you package many of those guys together, maybe you can get a first-round pick in 2024 out of them. So you're in a spot where you can move a lot of your liquid running backs that are productive right now into potential second and first round capital. And also the other move I'd be looking to make is moving Dak Prescott, just because he's going to probably be productive the next couple of games. Josh Allen is the gold standard at quarterback. I want to keep him personally. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson is not on the field right now. So there's no point in trying to sell him, even though he's a high value option. Zach Wilson is playing a little bit iffy as well. If Zach Wilson's willing to get you, you know, if you shop him on the market and he can get a first round, uh, pick out of him. I don't mind punting that first rounder into a potential running back later on down the line, but Dak Prescott should be able to fetch you at least a first and a second, if not a little bit more, if you maybe yeah. you throw in, you know, uh, to a contender, somebody's like, give me Dak Prescott, Michael Carter and Kenyon Drake. And I'll give you two firsts or something like that. Yeah. If you can get two ones of equity in a, in a Dak package, even if you have to sacrifice some RB talent, like sure. But I'm not like forced to sell him. Like I'm, I'm selling not forced him. to sell him, but knowing yeah. that you have Allen and Watson and Wilson yeah. as a young quarterback as your third, I think you're in a fine position to offload that into, because like the position yeah. you need to address in the future is running back. So if you yeah. can offload Dak into two Fix. ones using some of these packages that we kind of just touched on, then it makes sense to do that to make your team better in the long term. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Uh, I just, I wouldn't sell unless the package is suitable right. to sell. You right. Keep that in mind. Because again, like you can go into it with a, a three-headed juggernaut at quarterback if people aren't willing to pay the price for a guy like Dak Prescott, who's still a top 10 level dynasty quarterback. Like if you can, again, Corey mentioned it, maybe Dak and Miles and you add like fucking Michael Carter and that gets you two ones. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. And again, yeah. aim for 2024. If people are holding on, uh, clutching their purses on the 2023 picks, which people will do if they play in smart dynasty leagues, they know 2023 picks are valuable. Then you might be able to get ahead of the curve and get on the 2024 class. So he also has a trade listed here, and then we'll move on to the next team. In this trade, he received David Bell in a 2023 second in exchange for Chase Claypool and De'Ami Brown. Now, De'Ami Brown, not worth very much, right? Like maybe a fourth round pick gets you De'Ami Brown. Uh, Chase Claypool just got traded. I think the, the move is a smart move, and especially the way Justin Fields is playing right now, could end up working out for Chase Claypool in the long term. But if anybody offered me a 2023 second for Chase Claypool, I'm taking it. Like that's that's just where I'm at with Chase Claypool's dynasty value. And David Bell's worth more than De'Ami Brown. So that's yep. uh, a pretty easy win on that trade for me. So overall, like you're it. in a good spot. Like I said, you we break down some of these running backs, see if you can potentially get a, a godfather offer for Dak Prescott, and you should be in a great spot because your wide receiver core, Waddle, London, Higgins, Devontae, Elijah Moore, those guys are going to be very productive for you for the next you know four or five years. Yep. No, I, I fully agree. I, you're, you're well within a, a good spot to potentially turn this thing into a, a very, very quality team once you add to that running back position in the future years. So I think we can move on to the next team and the final team of the video. I'll let you take it away with Robel's team. Yeah. So Robel's got his team here, 12 team dynasty, super flex tight end premium. There's actually a five-year reset on this league. So after five years, they redraft the team. They, they nuke all the teams and they redraft it. So competitive teams probably lean a little bit more so towards competing early on, knowing that they can reset after five years, but it also makes sense to do like a one-year productive struggle here, be productive in year two. And then, you know, once the five-year reset is done, you still got like three or four years of productivity out of it. So the strategy portion still kind of remains the same for me, even though there's a reset on it, but you guys yeah. can see the team there. So Sean Watson, Matthew Stafford, Trey Lance is his main quarterbacks, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Cam Akers, Gus Edwards, et cetera, at running back. 
A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, Jamison Williams, George Pickens, uh, Calvin Ridley, Michael Gallup, Devin Duvernay, Wandell Robinson at wide receiver, Mark Andrews and Daniel Bellinger as his main tight ends. Also quite loaded at draft picks, right? He's got two 2023 20, firsts. He said his pick is going to be very high, most likely. He's going to aim for the 101 this year, probably down bad, you know, record-wise this year. So he should have a, a, a inside track to Bijan Robinson. Has an additional 2023 first, has uh, two 2023 seconds, does not have his 2024 first, but he has two seconds. And then he has three firsts in 2025 as well. So, um, you know, pretty well stocked up as far as draft assets are concerned and also some foundational pieces as well. What are your thoughts on the team? The clear, you know, eyesore to me is Matthew Stafford, but what do you do with them right now? Well, right off the bat, uh, yeah, Matthew Stafford's clearly an eyesore, but um, what I'm thinking. All the Rams are actually Stafford, Akers, and Allen Robinson are the clear um, eyesores. The reason why I'm mentioning this, because uh, I do think strategy does change a bit with five-year reset. Reason being, because if we know we're, we're, we're working on shelf life, we're working on market value for the long term in a normal dynasty league, like wide receivers, quarterbacks, young tight ends are going to be your hallmark. However, at the running back position, if you know you're getting reset in five years, like there would be no need to feel like you have to sell high on a guy like Christian McCaffrey. There'd be no need to feel like you have to sell high on a guy like B. John Robinson in a few years. So realistically, because there's no, uh, what's the term? Uh, there's no punishment basically for your team. If you hold on to a, a, a declining asset for too long, because you just know the, the league's going to reset in five years. I would prioritize running backs more in this type of format than I would in a normal format. Reason being, as I kind of said, like, you can just ride off production and know that you're going to get an out in five years anyways. That's how I'm right. viewing it right now. Especially for like a rookie running back like Bijan or a yeah. second year running back like Brees. Like those guys are going to be productive the entire duration of the league. So um, yeah, those kind of young running back assets should be very, very valuable in this kind of format. I'm still wary of like Dalvin Cooks and like Aaron Jones yeah. types, and Nick Chubbs. But uh, as far as young running backs are concerned, I'm much more likely to hold on to a DeAndre Swift or a Travis Etienne or somebody like that in this type of format than I would be in a different type of format. So again, looking at the team, what are your thoughts on how like he should proceed in terms of, because he's got a great shelf for this team, right? Watson, yeah. Lance, Brees Hall, uh, AJ Brown, Jamison Williams, George Pickens, Michael Gallup, some of these guys, Mark Andrews, all these guys are going to be very productive for him. And he also is going to be presumably adding Bijan to this team and probably another late pick as well. Yeah, no, uh, you clearly got the team ready to roll. Uh, you got the foundational pieces. Just keep adding with your draft capital, honestly. And maybe, you know, if Stafford has a couple good games, you still have Watson and Lance. Maybe you can entertain offers for him to a contender. But, I mean, aside from that, I'm not really doing much here. Yeah, he basically said, like, I'm not sure what I should do at this point. To be honest, I can't give you any concrete thing of what I would do either. Agreed. I would see what you can fetch for the Rams. Like, if you can sell the Stafford-Robinson stack, what do you – like? It, it's tough. They're not playing well, right? So like you yeah. you might you might just have kind of subtly dead assets or guys that you'd have to sell low on. If you got a second round pick for Allen Robinson plus Matthew Stafford, are you taking it? Uh sorry, well well like what picks a first and a second? One second round pick for Matthew oh. Stafford and Allen Robinson. Would no. you take that? No. That's selling low, is what I'm saying. Like it would yeah, you just I sell low that. on them or no. would you what if they give you a two and a three? No, he like Matthew Stafford is still quarterback equity. And at that point, I mean realistically, if we're comparing it like are there any quarterbacks in the second round that can give you even close to the production that you expect from Matthew Stafford on the field? I don't necessarily no. think so. So Matthew Stafford, I think you just kind of plug your nose on and see hopefully he can start playing better. And once his market value enters that first round territory again, that's when I would be looking to sell. But right now for a second, single second, like that's not going to solve your quarterback issue. No, and it's not going to help you get younger at that position either yeah. because – I don't know, maybe, maybe you can package Stafford Robinson in like a 2024 20, second and get up to a young quarterback like a Kenny Pickett or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like that's your best case good. scenario with Stafford because, like Danny said, you pretty much just have to plug your nose and hope he starts playing better at this point in time yeah. because he might end up being a dead asset for you too. Because like if after this year Aaron Donald retires and Sean McVay retires, then like <laughs> Stafford's going to take a big time hit in the dynasty market. Yeah, what happens to Cooper Cup at that point? I I don't know, but like it, it, there's a chance that this Rams season could really really unravel quickly, and uh, it's it's not a situation that I'm happy to have invested in heavily because I did invest in them heavily thinking they were going to be good. I think Robo, you're probably in a decent position. You kind of got to, you know, make some maneuvers here and there, but overall you're probably fine to just kind of hold and, and continue to add to this team using your draft picks. But that is the end of the video. Like I said, if you made it to the end of the video, comment down below dynasty decisions is back. Leave a like down below while you're down there, subscribe to the channel. If you are new around here. And like I said, if you guys want to be a part of future episodes of dynasty decisions, our patrons get first priority. I believe seven of the teams that we talked about today were uh, patron teams. And uh, you can join that in the pinned comment down below for just $10 a month. You also get a ton of other benefits as well. But yeah, with that being said, peace out. And we'll talk to you soon.